Ladies and gentlemen, we, people of color, daughters and sons of immigrants, we belong to Europe. I am, we are the story of Europe. Welcome to this new episode of We Belong, the podcast that makes you discover the new daughters of Europe, their stories, their commitment, and their struggles. I'm Yasmino Iran, and I'm your host. And my guest this week is a French TV journalist that works on fact-checking news. And notably, she explains the news by drawing them. She's also a committed woman that denounces racism against the Asian communities in France. And even more recently, since the outbreak of the coronavirus. Her name is Eline Len Dao, and I'm happy to share her story. Hello, Lynn. Hi, Yasmin. Nice to meet you. Thank you for accepting our invitation. As I do for all our guests, um, I will ask you to choose a word that translates your story, your personality or your work. So what is your word, Lynn Len? Power. <laughs> It's not that I, feel, um, that I feel that I have power, but I feel that I'm gaining it and I'm um, gaining more self-confidence to speak out what I think. Power, that's definitely what we all need, <laughs> especially as women. I was reading an article where you said that you love humor, um, that you make jokes all the time. Is it right? Yeah, I, it's true. I do make jokes all the time. I, I don't know if they're the best quality, but as long as, as my friends love, it's, it's okay to me. But I, I love to do that. Yeah, it's, it's one of the, the reasons I'm, I'm, I'm very happy. Of course. So, so, well, in this case, feel free to make <laughs> a smile. Okay. And by the way, you use your sarcasm also on your videos. And um, your video, Draw My News, um, how is it received by the public? Um, well, for the Draw My News, I I'm very happy because it's a way for, for people to learn new things uh, in a funny way because it's drawing. So some people say, yeah, this is for kids, but I don't think so. I'm, I mean, I think that every adult has a kid, in, has a kid inside. And, uh, and I think, yeah, the video are, are, um, have millions of views on, on Facebook. So I'm very happy. And I, I, I really like this, uh, this kind of format because, because you can talk about everything and about sensitive, sensitive subjects. And you can go from, for example, the sexual life of insects, which is really, really a really weird topic. But you can also talk about important things like feminism. And years ago, I made a video about um, domestic violence. And I saw that the, the video was really shared like, uh, like a thousand times. So I think this is important, uh, an important way to, to educate people as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's an artistic way, it's a soft way, but also an effective way because it's easier to understand and visual. Um, I um, also read um, that you used to draw since you were little. Um, did, you, did you start um, having this passion for the news uh, when you were younger? And uh, did you dream of becoming a journalist since you were little? But to be honest, when I was around five, I told my mom I wanted to be a comic uh, drawer. 
And she was like, ha, 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 uh, what is the actual job you want to do? Like, stop, stop making jokes. Sorry. Like, please be serious. I was five. <laughs> so this is not the a future she, she, she had planned for me. And uh, when I was in primary school, I made a little um, newspaper for, for my class. And that's when I, I thought, yeah, I think this is nice to do that because uh, I really liked um, a publication called Astrapi. It was for kids. And I was like, oh, I would really love to, to write articles for kids as well. So I think this, this is when I, I started thinking about it. And as I really liked um, writing and telling stories, I thought that I might be a better journalist than a lawyer because I, I was also thinking about, about becoming a lawyer. But I think I, I, I chose the good way, <laughs> the good path. <laughs> I think you have this artistic side that you had to express. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you find a good combination because you still do some, you know, jokes. And so you some way also use comedy, right? A little bit. But um, you were a fan of manga, right? Oh, totally. Yes, I it, it was. Yeah, it was a, a part of my life. Yeah. I was I was I started with Stellar Moon. Okay. A very romantic manga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And as my father lives in Japan, so I'm really connected to to the Japanese culture, so that that that's why. Mm -hmm. And precisely about the, the Japanese culture, you also denounced uh, sexism in manga and you explained it um it is a reflection of the Japanese society, I think, right? Um is it correct? How do you Can you tell us more about it? I, I did that video speaking about sexism in manga because I, I saw there was always like uh, a pattern when you would see like naked or half naked girls and and guys who were uh, a bit dominant, you know, and there's this model of uh, the good a good girl like she likes to cook she, she's, a, she like, she's like a substitute mother to her boyfriend and she's like always like loving secretly someone and and the, the guy there they can be strong or nerdy but they will always get the good girl and I, I don't like uh, the fact that women are only um, a sexual asset uh, to the to the video but actually I didn't realize that I, re I would really love that the mangas that would show like naked girls because I, I thought that was normal. You know, I, I, and then, and then uh, as I grew up and I, as I was more aware about feminism, I realized that it was, uh, that it was not very, very nice. And when I published my video, I, I thought I would had, have support, but many, many guys uh, destroyed my video in comments like, trolled me and there's even a youtuber that made a whole 30 minute video to to explain why i was wrong i was like but what do you know have you been to japan or something like i've been to japan and i i see there is a problem because because like yeah in in manga there there's like a a porn that displays um well this is not manga this is another thing but it, it displays like naked women like in a Uh, who are like who behave like sexual slaves i don't know and this is really shocking and uh and there you know women they they tend to st stop working when they have their first kid so so i i know a bit about japanese society and i know that it's not women friendly and 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 i think it's crazy that people can can still deny that and especially men like I didn't see any women denying that <laughs> always men like yeah yeah you're wrong or you're a feminazi whatever I think they feel attacked and that's precisely the problem also because 
um, here um, in Europe, for example, um, many people read mangas and they might not know about, you know, the context um, where they are, uh, you know, conceived. And so the fact that you explain more about why there is this sexism, I think it's very, very important. Um, there are sexist discriminations that you denounce, but there are also racial discriminations that you tackle since a long time. Um, we were just talking about humor and precisely some French humorists um, made some sketch, um, some jokes on prime time on TV while stigmatizing people with Asian backgrounds. Um, and you denounced this, uh, right? Exactly. Uh, this was a... Uh, two, co two comedians who, who are quite famous called Gad Elmaleh and Kev Adams. And together they made a, a little piece where they're dressed as like ancient, like Asianish people. Uh, the Gad Elmaleh wears a long beard, like it's like in a in a kitsch movie from the, I don't know, in Hollywood in the <laughs> a long time ago. And <laughs> and and they're like this is they were doing like what 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 I call yellow face. They were disguised as Asian people. Kev Adams was especially the worst because he was doing like a strange accent, uh, supposed to be Chinese or whatever. And he was making jokes about eating dogs. Uh, and this was, was really insulting, really, really insulting. And, and that was not funny at all to me, to me. Of course. And did you denounce it? Did you, uh, how did you react? Did you make a video? And did they apologize afterwards? Uh, so I, I, made a, I made a video to denounce that. And uh, because I, I think they went really too far and I, I was happy because my boss understood me and I was like, yeah, I'd like to do a video, a video about what is what uh, anti-Asian racism can look like and what I went through uh, during my life and did all the jokes I heard and all the jokes I, I didn't answer to because I was, I, I mean, too submissive maybe. And, and then he accepted and I did this video and I was so surprised because I thought it would only that only Asian people would see it and comment it and it went beyond that it, it was it was seen around like two three million times i think three million times on facebook so so i was happy that people who didn't know or did not especially notice that it could exist finally realized that it existed and that it's unacceptable and it's important to have something to talk about it but also i'm happy that your boss your um uh, at your work um allowed you to have this voice and i think um having allies that you know give you this platform because it's not that easy to have it um it's it's an added value by the way let's talk about tv uh, because you work for a french tv uh, and i don't watch it <laughs> but from the little highlights that i get from social media I don't see many people that look like you on French TV or even just like me, by the way. <laughs> But how do you explain these? And have you thought about calling for a more diverse and fair representation on media of the French society? Of course, uh, of course. Uh, I think that, first of all, um, young people who are like me from diversity, I don't come. Uh, I don't come from a, a poor background, you know. Uh, I think my parents have money, etc. So I think I, I got lucky in the first place. But people who are from a, a poor background or are from the diversity don't think that they can join. Uh, um, they can become a journalist because they're not encouraged to do so, because they don't feel 
enough self-confidence because their teachers didn't tell them that yes they could do it that yes they they belonged and and it's but it's beginning to change i would say that many many journalists for the moment are are, are white and because yeah because that that's the way it is we're in france and uh and they They, they are just starting to realize that France is multicultural and that if you want to represent correctly the society, you have to include people from diversity as well. So I'm saying that things started to change because I was uh, hired for my origins. That's true. That's true. I was hired because um, there was a special program when they, where they provide apprenticeship for people who are from uh, immigrants' descendants. So that's why I started. And it was very difficult because in the first place, you're not legitimate because people think you were hired just because you're, you were Asian or something. So I had to prove that I, I was not useless and I, I could be a professional as well. So, but you have to fight twice when you're from the diversity. But now it's, it's changing. Well, now present, there are more and more anchor men and anchor women who are, uh, you know, um, Uh, black or Arab, not not that much, not that many, but still, it's going to it's starting to change. But when I see an editor in chief who's not white, then I will and who's not like a white male, blah blah blah. I don't have anything against white male. I just see <laughs> that they're they're everywhere in directions in um, in editor in chiefs. Okay, and when that changes, when you see more women, more diversity, then we will. Uh, we will observe a real change. And this is more very important because it's not the same thing when someone talks about a community um, and that doesn't know anything about the community. For example, uh, when I talk about uh, Asian community, I think I might know more than a person that, a white person that has no link to the Asian community. So then I can make less mistakes when I talk about that, you, you see? So this is very important to have diversity in journalism. Mm -hmm. And also you have the legitimacy because maybe you have faced some of the discriminations that um, Asian, the Asian community faces. And um, especially, for example, when you uh, explained about the video, about the, about the sketch of the humorous, you used examples of your own experience. And so this even more spoke to people. Um, by the way, can you recall um, some of the episodes that you witnessed, even on your youth, about um, people making jokes on you or on your origins? So it's, it's starting very young, like, because uh, uh, when you arrive in school, you don't feel you're different until, uh, until kids make jokes about you, about your, the form of the shape of your eyes. And then start to make funny noises like uh, ching chong, ni hao, ni hao. Uh, they're just repeating what they heard, maybe from their parents or anything. And uh, and then they were like making bad jokes, like yeah, why do you have eyes like that? And and uh, they would harass you, and you then you would feel different. You just want to fit in, but it's not possible. And and then it went on uh, during when I was a, a young girl. Um, when I'm Uh, walking in the street, some people, some people, yeah, just call me randomly, like Ni Hao as well. I was walking with a, a girl who's from Algeria, Algeria, and we were in Marseille, and uh, we were working together, and many people were screaming Ni Hao, Ni Hao, Ni Hao, and she's an Arab, an Arab, an Arab girl. She was like, oh my God, I didn't know that you too had that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, welcome. <laughs> I'm in the club as well. Don't worry. <laughs> and then she realized that Asian people too face racism. But 
I think that we can compare, uh, I can compare my situation to black and Arab people who can be even more discriminated by the police or to, to find a job or um, uh, a house, for example. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that Asian people experience the same things, but still, uh, I think it's necessary to talk about that. Yeah. Definitely. And I think that we don't hear enough about disc discriminations, especially on media, because um, if we did, it would help us understand what you go through and, um, and maybe, you know, prevent it. Um, we know that stigmatization and racist act um, arose since the outbreak of uh, the COVID-19. I saw in particular some videos, for example, in Italy of young people beating uh, Italians with Asian backgrounds and accusing them of bringing the virus to Italy. And it was very violent and it's often total ignorance because the people attacked are often even not Chinese. Um, so how did this make you feel and how did you react? Uh, I was horrified when I saw that. I didn't think that humanity was that stupid um <laughs> well yes yes i i was expecting some people to make jokes but not to be that uh that violent you know uh what happened in france that uh is that uh people assumed that asian people were uh were sick you know regardless of if they were uh actually chinese if you had an asian face whether you were a Cambodian or a Vietnamese, you you were you could be a target of jokes and of, of violence. People would avoid Asian people in the public transports. People would be insulted uh, in the in the um, uh, kindergarten or in primary schools. There were kids who were insulted, and uh, people would spit at them or 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 beat them up. So this is this is really horrifying. And I was like, oh my god, do do I really have to do that? Do I really have to to go to the media and explain that what, what is happening is wrong. You can't stigmatize a community because the virus, okay, it, it, it was born in China, of course, but, but then it would attack anyone from any background. The virus has no racial laws. It doesn't choose by the, you know? And, and now the people uh, just realize, I guess, that anyone could be sick, whether you were white, Arabic, uh, Asian or anything. But then they, they want to go on blaming Asian people, of course. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is your fault. You brought that because you eat dogs and cats. And that's, that's just horrible to do that amalgam. And my mm -hmm. analysis is that every time there is a pandemic, every time there's, there's an epidemic, you have, well, people have to find a guilty person. People have to, to blame someone. And then so they... they They blame Asian Asian people now. Mm -hmm. And that's the most ironic is that Italian people, for example, they started, you know, uh, being um, racist against Chinese. But then a few weeks later, it completely explodes in Italy. Yes, and then it spread. They found themselves, yeah, it spread. And so they found themselves being discriminated against in the same way. They Hello. were discriminated <laughs> Chinese. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that Italian people were discriminated. Uh, but, but in France, in France, there were there was a, an Asian restaurant that was tagged like coronavirus, and I was like, did they tag pizzerias? I don't think so. You know. Yeah. But of I don't course, know. Of course, Italy. they weren't they weren't attacked physically on the same way. I uh -huh. think because of their white privilege. 
but they were um, you know refused to travel and they yeah they, they really face you know um, diffidence from people on the streets uh, just because yeah they are Italian um, but I think yeah it's so important to denounce it and to um, you know and make people understand what's the actual reality and that it's not because you're Chinese or you're anything that you're going to spread it, but it's just because you've been in contact with an actual um, infected person. Um, and in terms of fact-checking, you also reacted uh, recently uh, to a video that uh, was showing um, African people being uh, refused to enter to a supermarket in China and being aggressed by Chinese people. And although uh, the African population is actually uh, facing this discrimination in China due to, due to coronavirus, you also explained as part of your work uh, that it's a fake news. Uh, so, you know, this video made the tour of the world and also was used by African presidents to talk to Chinese ambassadors in their country. But where does this video actually come from? Uh, yeah, I think it's imp it's important to 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 talk about racism, but never using fake videos because then you don't look really <laughs> serious. So this video, I don't really know what what happened. You see um, a black couple fighting an Asian couple in the street, and this video we found we found out that it was not actually in China as a tw um, a user a Twitter user presented it. It was like yeah. Um, uh, uh, Chinese people beating up African people, but actually this video was um, was uh, I think we it, yeah we're pretty sure it was shot in New York because we saw like two two boards of uh, one of a hospital called Saint Barnabas in the Bronx and one of um, of a, a, a New York brand. So we were pretty sure it was not in China. And then we found the place, the actual place in, in, Google, in Google Maps. We found the place with all the brands and everything. And I, apparently it was in, the fight was happening in front of uh, an Asian restaurant. And that's all. But you should not take it to say, to spread the hatred. I mean, what, what's the use of, of, of sharing that? I know, I know that it's important to denounce racism, but never using fake news. Please, please. Because mm -hmm. then, 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 then it's... It's a serious fight, and you can't mm -hmm. you can't uh, go into a serious fight using using fake stuff, fake material. And I think that we are quite privileged in France to have people like you that do this work. But in other European countries, there is of, there isn't often this you know this fact checking. Um, let's talk about populism in France, in Europe. Sorry, and, but also in France, um, how you know this fake news are uh, influencing society, influencing citizens, and then, you know, um, vote for populist parties. Yeah, I, th uh, I think it's like a circle. Um, we noticed that the far-right party, oh, not the mm -hmm. far-right party, but the far-right uh, voters tend to spread more fake news. Mm. Yes, they do, statistically. And, and those fake news are going to to make a circle and it will be shared and shared and shared in the same in the same groups because it's like a bubble like when you're in a bubble you only see what you want to see and you you see that and you're like yeah 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 uh uh this is right like migrants are are the worst you know and there are many uh racist fake news we saw that and we were working on that like look these migrants they're making a party in the uh in the cementery or they're they're doing this oh man uh, they're 
and it's always videos brought out of their context to prove uh, to prove racist ideas. So I think that fake news are becoming like um, like a tool for the people to spread hate, hatred and to to spread uh, their ideas that yeah we should ban the migrants or migrants are bad people. Mm -hmm. So yes, it has a bad influence. Mm -hmm. And legally, um, when you know when these people use this uh, the, this you know false information, but also media, um, they have the right to do it, as as, as long as they don't uh, attack personally uh, individuals, right? And that's the, the real problem, the real difficulty in tackling it. I think. Uh, yes, there is a real problem because when you if you want to uh, start. Um, Uh, making fake news illegal, but it, it, it's it's very difficult because the the side effect is that maybe you you can uh, lower democracy and self uh, and 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 like freedom of expression. That that's horrible. Of course, users who spread fake news would be banned should be banned from the social networks. That that's for sure. But they are so numerous and they're so active. And and when you close an account, another account is created. So how do you actually fight against them but the thing is that for example for cyber harassing some people did some cyber harassment and then we cannot speak about freedom of speech and some people go on on uh on the courts and i think this is a good news and maybe we maybe it would be useful to do that with people who spread fake news because spreading fake news is like uh, endangering democracy as well mm -hmm. of course yeah. Mm -mm. And what does this phenomenon, you know, this sensationalization, let's say, of the news tell about our societies nowadays? Um, do you think we are going uh, to live in, in an environment where everybody just lies? This is, yeah, this is scary. For example, uh, you see, Trump, Trump was elected. He's like a fake news factory, that guy. <laughs> uh, Bolsonaro was elected in, in Brazil. And my fear is that is that, yeah, the world is becoming more populist. I think we can actually say that. And when you see head of states speaking like that, tweeting like that, or tweeting bad things, or saying, yeah, we're going to build a wall uh, against all the Mexicans, and Bolsonaro, who's like, yeah, it's, it's okay if Amazon, it, it, Amazon is, belongs to Brazil, whatever. <laughs> if, we, if we want to cut all the trees, that's our problem. Uh, those head of states, they're, they're using social networks And mm -hmm. and for example, Bolsonaro, he was elected with many WhatsApp WhatsApp fake news, and so was mm -hmm. Donald Trump. There were many many fake news uh, about Hillary Clinton uh, spreading. So I think the populists win from the use of the social networks that uh, that give them an advantage because uh, fake news are shared so much, so much, mm -hmm. especially towards migrants. Yes. And people are educating themselves uh, with social networks now. They would, they would rather trust a friend of a friend who, t who sent him a publication than the traditional media. So there is a, a democracy crisis. People do not believe in governments anymore, in institutions anymore, in journalists anymore. So they want to educate themselves with, uh, with those news and uh, fake news. You see? So there's a real problem going on. Definitely, because there is this distrust towards, uh, towards institutions. And so we, we, believe, we believe to people that um, speak like us and tell us what we want to hear, right? So 
I hope that uh, through your work, you will shed the lights on, you know, more real, more concrete facts. And so I'm very happy that you do this work. Let's conclude with a key, uh, a key message that uh, you want to share and advice that you have for people listening to us. Um, I, I would like people who come from a, a different background than the establishment to believe in themselves and to speak out. Because yes, they, were, they, they are worth listening to. And if you don't speak out, nobody will do it for you. And maybe that this crisis... Uh, with this crisis, I hope that people are starting to understand that uh, migrants are all, also the bone marrow of your society. They're workers. They're, they're taking care of you elderly. They're, they're cleaning the streets. They're working in supermarkets. They're teaching to you kids. If they were not there, what would happen? I'm sorry, <laughs> society would collapse. So, so stop, stop blaming the migrants. But maybe I'm, I'm talking more to migrants than to the establishment. But yeah, believe in yourself and speak out. Thank you. And thank you because it's definitely the message that we want to carry for, you know, our podcast is that we belong. We all belong in society. So thank you for accepting this invitation and for being with us. And thank you for your work. To conclude, I'm happy to share with you some keys. The first key is the Harvard online courses that the university has provided for free. Check it on their website because it's a great opportunity. Also, the British Council just announced that he will provide free courses too. And my last key is the Atlas Corps Fellowship. It's a fellowship in the US and it's between 12 and 18 months and it's a fellowship for social change leaders. Um, it is fully funded. It covers the visa, the health insurance, and the housing and living costs. So check it out because the deadline is very, very soon. Actually, it's at the end of this week on May 1st. This was the end of our fourth episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. We Belong is a podcast produced by Le Cavalcade and you can find it on all platforms, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify and also on YouTube. You can follow us on social media and stay tuned and share with us your story of belonging for our social media campaign. Thank you. Bye.